With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Faces Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for MLB Overtime Betting with myself, Greg Peterson. We've got a great podcast for you. We're going to have a two-part conversation with one of my good friends from the Vegas Ads and Information Network, Gil Alexander. We're going to be talking about a variety of different things. Who a shortened season helps slash hurts? Is there going to be a little bit of an asterisk if you wind up having a condensed season like we are all talking about? And just what in the world is going to happen with regards to futures? What is going to happen with regards to the format that we might see with a shortened season as well? We're going to be diving into a bunch of different things. And at the end, he reveals one team that he thinks is going to be just an absolute juggernaut when it comes to a condensed season, especially if they get hot. So you want to tune into the end on that. And we always love being able to dive into the Twitter mailbag. And the Twitter mailbag is currently being brought to you by our good friends at Simply Safe. With Simply Safe, they know that peace of mind is worth a whole lot, especially now in these uncertain times, because every night local police departments across America receive hundreds and hundreds of calls that a burglary alarm wound up going off, but they have no idea whether the alarm was for real, was it just set off erroneously. All they know is that something went off, and if there is a break-in, Simply Safe. Safe uses real video evidence to give the police an eyewitness account of the crime. And what that means is that the police is going to get you 350% 
faster than a normal burglary alarm, you get comprehensive protection for your entire home. Outdoor cameras and doorbell alerts let you know anytime someone is approaching the home and you also get things for inside the home with entry, motion, and glass break sensors. And plus with Simply Safe, they protect you from fires, water damage, carbon monoxide, and so much more. It is 24-7 monitoring by live security professionals and you can set the system up yourself or you can have one of their trained technicians get it all installed for you. And all this costs just 50 cents a day with no contracts. And plus, if you go to simplysafe.com overtime, that's all one word, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, you're going to get a 60-day risk-free trial plus free shipping on your order. There's absolutely nothing to lose with this one, unlike if you fire in some sort of a futures bet and it winds up coming up snake eyes. This, on the other hand, is a no-lose situation. Just go to simplysafe.com overtime so that they know that this fine podcast sent you. That is simplysafe.com slash overtime. And I did not get in any questions to the Twitter mailbag today. But with that said, we do have that great chat with Gil Alexander coming up. And in this first segment, just want to talk about the big news that did wind up coming out on Tuesday. And that would be Noah Syndergaard. He is going to be down and out for the count as it looks like he's going to be undergoing Tommy John surgery. He has a torn UCL. So he is going to be out for... It's looking like as many as 15 months, so we might not even see him at the start of the 2021 season, no doubt about it. This is going to hurt the New York Mets because we've been talking about it on this podcast. Who this condensed season is really going to help is some of these teams that they've got a little bit of a shorter pitching staff. You don't necessarily have the greatest bullpen in the world, but you're able to ride those starters or just some of those teams like the Milwaukee Brewers that you don't have a whole lot of starting pitching, but you've got like 100 million billion relief arms. The teams that are probably at a little bit of a disadvantage are more of your conventional teams in which you don't necessarily have great relief pitching, but you don't necessarily have great starters either. So if one starter gets hurt, you really don't have much of a replacement there. You really don't have an overwhelming bullpen. Those are the teams that this really hurts. And now you take a look at the New York Mets. It looked like they were going to be front loaded because obviously you've got Jacob DeGrom, no if fans or buts about it. That is absolutely huge. He is one of the aces of the game. He had a little bit of a struggle at the beginning of the 2019 season, but we once again saw him come on strong. The wins slash losses weren't necessarily the best, but night after night, whenever he took the mound, he was dominant. You obviously make that trade for Marcus Stroman, and Marcus Stroman certainly wasn't necessarily great when it came to him in a New York Mets uniform, but you know what he's capable of. He's a guy that was really putting up good numbers with the Toronto Blue Jays, a team that we're going to be talking about in depth in the next segment with our good buddy Gil Alexander about, but you now have to factor in the fact that Zach Wheeler is no longer in that rotation as well. He wound up signing elsewhere in the offseason. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. That is going to affect the Mets. You don't know how much they want Wheeler back at this point. And when you take a look at this team, you've got Tyler Bachelor, Chris Flexen, one of my favorite names out there in baseball. Not such a good reliever. Now, Seth Lugo actually did have some success as a middle relief guy. He had his ups and downs, but we all remember Jesus Familia, Spanish for blown save. I think it's going to be very fascinating to see what happens with regards to the New York Mets. And this is a team that you don't know what you're going to get out of Cespedes as well, because Cespedes for the rest of us, he was absolutely terrific when he was out there on the field a few years ago for the Mets. 
It's a guy that just has not been able to stay healthy. He winds up not playing at all during the 2019 season. You now have the start of the 2020 season not get started up right away either. So I think that this is very fascinating to watch, to say the least. So I think the New York Mets all of a sudden become a team that you have a whole bunch of questions with. Are they going to overachieve? Are they going to underachieve? And they're out there in a division which the Philadelphia Phillies, you got to think that they're going to send with Bryce Harper being in his second year. They were hit by injuries. You know, have Gabe Kapler, a guy that had no idea what he was doing, out of the fold with regards to a manager. You obviously have a Washington Nationals team that no longer has Anthony Rendoni is now with the LA Angels, but you bring back all those great pitchers like Mad Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg and company, and we saw what the bullpen was able to do towards the end of the year when they wound up being able to get some quality arms out there. They weren't using the guys like Fernand. Oh, no! Rodney, although we all know that he had a couple postseason appearances, we all know how those went. He is no longer on the roster, so I do think that there's a lot of upside there. And then you even just take a look at some of these other teams. The Miami Marlins are going to sink again, but you know what the Miami Marlins have? They actually have some decent pitching. Now, they did sign a couple guys in the offseason to try to bolster their lineup a little bit. We all know that the Miami Marlins are not going to be mashing to save their lives, and the fact that they traded away Zach Allen last year certainly puts them in a little bit of rough shape, but I liked what I saw out of guys like Jordan Yamimoto and company towards the beginning of their 2019 season. Mr. Yamimoto had a fall-off at the end of the year, but I just like saying the name Yamimoto for one. And two, I do think that there is a lot of upside with regards to that pitching staff, so you do have a little bit of that going on. And then we all know with regards to the ALEs, you just have that team out there in the Atlanta Braves that is ascending with guys like Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzy Albies. It looked like Felix Hernandez and offseason signing was really starting to get things going. You have a lot of questions there. So the NL East is going to be very intriguing. And one other nugget that was intriguing was the Chicago Cubs making a little bit of a trade. This is one that's not going to have a huge impact by any means, but the Cubs lose a top 30 prospect. That would be their catcher, Johnny Pareda. And he winds up getting traded to the Boston Red Sox. And the Red Sox gave up Travis Lakins, who was, I believe, a waiver claim of the Baltimore Orioles on January 31st. So, I mean, it's one of these situations where you just ask yourself, what in the world are the Cubs doing? And it's going to be so interesting to see what happens out there in the NL Central as well. We're going to be talking about the NL Central with Gil Alexander. We're going to be talking about a condensed season. We're going to be talking about just the optics of a condensed season. Are books going to be taking bets with regards to season win totals, how to play those, and so much more? It's going to be a great conversation with Mr. Alexander, and that's on the other side right here on MLB Overtime Betting with myself, Greg Peterson. Greg is phoning a friend and going out to the Azunia Hotline. Here on MLB Overtime Betting with myself, Craig Peterson. Great to have on our next guest. This is a guy that you can hear on a numbers game, does an absolutely terrific job with that show for the Vegas Ads and Information Network. You can catch that from 7 to 9 a.m. Pacific time. If you're looking Eastern time, that is 10 to noon. And this is a guy that is tied into a little bit of everything, and he does a great job of being able to break down the baseball landscape. You can follow him on Twitter at Beating the Book, as it is Gil Alexander joining me right here on the podcast. And Gil, Great to have you on today. Obviously, we wish the circumstances were a little bit different. I think that we both wish that it was myself and Adam Sanko on your show talking about the Sweet 16 and our bracket is like busted to smithereens or something like that. But <laughs> great to have you on regardless. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me on again. And you're right. I just got a text from Seth Walder. 
who uh, does analytics for ESPN.com, does a lot of college basketball stuff for ESPN and football, but those are his two sports. But he was just texting me this morning randomly, like, can you believe, this is what he said, he's like, can you believe I was on your show 14 days ago? And what he was getting at was, it seems like it was a different lifetime. Like the, the speed with which all of this has changed and the, the notion that he was just on, we were just talking about giant killers, you know, two weeks ago, that's it. And I was just saying to somebody else, like I had best of shows last week. I was on the air just the week before last, but it, it seems like it's been three weeks or four weeks. It's very weird. Anyway, not to go off on a tangent to start things, but it, it's just a really weird time. But thank you for having me, Greg. I guess is a long-winded way of saying that. <laughs> uh, it is all good. Don't worry. We are all in a very unusual spot. And what's unusual to me is that we just don't know when the baseball season is going to start. Now, the MLB officially said that there's going to be a 14-day hiatus. I think we can both agree that we're not getting baseball in the middle of April. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. But what do you think baseball <laughs> is going to be coming back? Because I've been hearing from a lot of people like, Early to mid-July, maybe late June is when you have like a second spring training to ramp people up and things like that. But I think that this is a very precarious spot. And darn it, at this point, I think we really need the MLB and NBA back in our lives. Yeah, I mean, I don't I, I don't listen. My guess would just be that, just a guess, just like anybody else, I think, would just be guessing. I do think that there's a point of no return, right? Like, I think that's the one thing I can speculate on with a little bit of sort of educated, you know, knowledge here, which is that I think if they got to the point, like to use your date, Greg, August is too far, right? So like if nothing happened before August, it's over. There's no way in my estimation that they would start a season, let's say an 80 game season or a 90 game season in August and try to like cram it all in, you know, with double headers, let's say. I think the best they can hope for, let's put it this way, I think the drop dead is somewhere in late June and early July. Because I think if you go past what would have been the All-Star break, what are we doing? I just worry that we're not going to beat that date, but I think that is sort of more or less the drop dead time frame. And I think that's a good point that you're bringing up because right now the way I'm looking at you want to try to get at least half a season. I mean, I don't think we're going to be getting a full 162 games or anything like that. You'd need to be playing double headers every day, and that's just not good for player safety because the whole name of why we're not playing baseball right now is in the name of health and safety. If you're playing double headers every single day with the way that pitchers now throw, obviously would not be a good situation, so... I do think that that's going to be very intriguing. And if we do wind up having a baseball season, it is no way fans or buts about it going to be a little bit condensed. And I actually think that in a strange way, it might lead to a little bit of good because we've seen it in past years. There's nothing more frustrating than betting on a team. They're just controlling things the whole way through. But then because the pitch count of your ace starter winds up getting to like 90, he gets pulled out of a game. You get in there, some reliever that you've never heard of. It's just so frustrating. I do think that with regards to this MLB season, we might actually see a little bit less of it because you're able to use these starters a little bit more. Those innings restrictions in a condensed season, you don't have as many of them. I think that in a strange way, we might get a little bit more of the game that we saw a few years ago, and it becomes a little bit easier to predict because you're not having so many unknown variables with these guys that you've never heard of trying to close out a game. 
You know, it's an interesting theory. I wonder if that will be the case or not. Again, it would come down to the difference between 160 game schedule versus 130 versus 100 versus 80. I mean, a lot of that would come down to that. I guess my question to you would be this. Like, if you saw in the history books, let's say we played an 80-game season. Not to not to go over the point you were making, because I think it's an interesting one about how handicapping would change on a night-to-night basis. But in the end, if there was an 80-game season and it was so fundamentally changed, even if it weren't fundamentally changed on a day-to-day basis, like, would you like to look back at it 10 years from now and, and look, okay, here's the 2019 champ was the Washington Nationals and the 2020 champs with a little asterisk by it for like an 85-game season, let's say, was the whoever's. Like, would that be weird to you and would you even want to see that? It would be a little bit strange, but if the game is quality, because I think we both agree, the best po- the best baseball that we saw during the 2019 season, that was during the postseason. If we saw no that kind of baseball once again, I would honestly be on board with it because my big complaint with the 2019 season is that it became a little bit too much like a video game. It became a little bit too much like a cartoon because it was either strikeout, yeah. home run, or you had a walk. If you can get back to the small ball baseball, station to station, where actually driving in the runners matter, every single one of these games count, I would actually argue that I'd be on board with it, and I'd want it a little bit more, because I know that there's been some people clamoring, 162 games is maybe a little bit too long. Maybe this season, if we do wind up having a condensed season, allows people to be informed that, hey, maybe a little bit less is more. Yeah, I mean, there's no question. I mean, I agree with you there. Like, baseball season is way too long. It's about a month too long for all the reasons you stated. And it has become a home run, walk, or strikeout game. It's not the game that it used to be. And if a shortened season would produce more of playoff baseball and maybe even a return of small ball, all those things you're saying is right. I'd be for it. My thing is this. Before even any of this happened, right, before any of the effects of the virus They were already making rule changes. Those are going to fundamentally change the game of baseball to begin with anyway, right? A reliever must face three batters unless it's the end of the inning, that kind of thing. So, I mean, there's all kinds of things to throw in the mix here. Hopefully, we do have some sort of season. Yeah, I'm right there with you. As we do have Gil Alexander of the Vegas Asset Information Network joining me right here on the podcast. And I do think that that is so fascinating. And I've been saying it on this podcast quite a bit. I think that the teams that benefit the most with regards to this layoff that we have right now are teams that are a little bit more front-loaded and teams that have injuries. Teams like the Yankees and the Astros, they were going to be going into the year banged up. I recall Justin Verlander said, it's going to take a miracle for me to wind up starting out the year on opening day. Well, it's not necessarily the miracle anyone wanted, but I mean, it certainly is a miracle that we're not going to be getting baseball on its normal opening day. Not a good one, but at the same time, we did have some, I guess you could call it extenuating circumstances. The Yankees were dealing with like half their roster being injured. Those guys are going to get a little bit more time to heal. And then when you take a look at what I was just talking about, about a couple less relievers, these guys are able to go a couple more innings. I do think that that's going to help out these teams that maybe they only have a couple very good starters. You have a big drop off from there and you can use those starters a little bit more. I mean, maybe not to the extent like the Washington Nationals did in the postseason. That'd be insane for an entire year. But at the same time, you're able to get a little bit more out of those guys without fearing that they're going to reach their innings cap. No, I mean, even as you're talking, I'm sort of like thinking of things. So, I mean, one, let's take the first part of what you were saying. No question about what the Yankees injuries, great thing for the Yankees, gives them more time to heal. We're talking as if there will be some sort of shortened season. The Astros, to me, Greg, are the most interesting example of any team. 
before the virus, the Astros, of course, were the scourge of not only baseball, but of sports. I argued their sign-stealing whole scandal it was worse than anything in the steroids era. Like, to me, they couldn't be punished enough. Again, could other teams have been doing it? Yes, I don't want to get into all those arguments. But imagine what this has done for the Houston Astros in the most unforeseeable way. Now, instead of everybody talking about, man, I can't wait for the Astros to play whoever, I can't wait to see if the Astros, remember we were talking about hit-by-pitch props. How many times are the Astros batters going to get hit? Who's going to be the first to be hit? Now think about it. With a global pandemic, all of that gets swept under the carpet. And I do mean all of it, because now if you came back and you played baseball, and teams were like headhunting the Astros, the entire table would turn. Instead of the Astros being the villains, the reaction would be like, how can these guys still care about something as stupid as sign stealing when the world just went through a global pandemic, right? So like it completely shifts the whole nature of that event. And so I think in, in, in the weirdest of ways, the Astros benefit the most then there's the other side, which I think from a baseball perspective, now getting into the handicapping more, okay, I'll just use 85 games because it just sounds mm-hmm. like just a little over half, the baseball would still play it. And it, it basically cuts the season almost in half, a standard regular season. I just wrote my baseball manifesto for Pointsburg Weekly at VEASAN about my favorite season win totals, and that was assuming a 162-game schedule, and I gave my favorite ones. Now imagine that half the games are taken out. So now we're talking about a sample size that is so much different than the 162 games. Like the the best thing about baseball season win totals is you play 162 games. Like there's so much time to overcome negative variance. If you're the Yankees and you have a bad month, or if you're the Astros and you have a bad month, you can still overcome it with your talent. That will still win out. But now if you're only playing 85 games, imagine the bottom of the league, Greg. Imagine the teams like the Mariners and the Tigers And the Orioles, I don't want to take this to an extreme. Teams that when I wrote my 162 game-based baseball manifesto in VEASAN's Point Spread Weekly, their digital magazine, well, imagine if you only play a sample size of roughly half that. We all know that even the best teams, you know, if they have a negative stretch, they can overcome that negative variance because the season is so long. Well, if you only play half that, imagine a team, Greg, as bad as the Orioles, the Tigers, or the Mariners. It doesn't even have to be that bad, but I'm just doing it for the extreme. But just a below-average team like the Blue Jays, a team that it would not be outlandish for them to have a 40-game stretch, typically a quarter of a season, but in this case, half a season, let's say, in my 85-game scenario, where they just hit out of their minds, right? All their young bats go crazy. Their pitchers pitch above their true skill set, And all of a sudden, you're talking about those teams in what would amount to a pennant race in a truncated season like that. So I think in that respect, baseball could be fascinating this year because it would be completely turned on its head from anything you would have thought before a regular season length. I'm right there with you as we do have Gil Alexander joining me right here on the podcast. And as we know... The books that put out their regular season win totals based on 162. I think it's safe to assume that we're not going to get 162. I know that the South Point and so many others have already refunded a lot of those season wins because, let's face it, we have yet to get the start of the season. But 
if it does get announced that say we're going to have like a 90 game season, I'm just throwing out there a random number at this point. Do you think that the books will put out their season wins for like a 90 game or they'll just stick with the futures? Because I'm right there with you. I think it would be fascinating if we would see something like a 90 or so game season. And I'll be exploring this with Gil Alexander on the other side right here on MLB Overtime Betting where we're going to be talking about season wins and the teams that he really likes in a condensed season with regards to futures as well. You don't want to miss it right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it. And we're back here on MLB Overtime Betting with myself, Greg Peterson. We were leaving off with our chat with Gil Alexander of the Vegas Heads and Information Network. You can follow him on Twitter at Being the Book, and you can find his show, A Numbers Game, from 7 to 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Vegas Heads and Information Network. For those of you guys looking Eastern Time, that is 10 to noon. And we were just talking about how things might be a little bit different with regards to season win totals with regards to a condensed season. We all remember last year, the team that got off to that super hot start the Seattle Mariners. Now, obviously, they fell off and they were awful at the end of the year. But if, say, like a team like the Seattle Mariners, the Toronto Blue Jays, get off to like a 15 and three start or something of that nature, who knows? They're probably going to be in it the whole way through if we get this <laughs> truncated season. And the Mariners famously starting 13 and two last year before they crapped Hit the this bed. kids. Yeah. I, no, I mean, I, to answer your initial question, do I think books would put out season win totals on a truncated season? Man, I hope they would. I really do. Like, I hope they would be creative enough and care enough about getting people back into a sports book where they would be, you know, they would want to give as many betting options as humanly possible. Will it be, you know, universal? Of course not. But some books are going to be smart enough to do that. And I will tell you this, I will be more excited to bet those season win totals, Greg, than almost anything ever. Because that, for exactly the reasons we're stating, like it really gets me juiced even thinking about it. Man, I hope they play some games. Man, I hope sports comes back. But I mean, like, think about that. Because there are certain teams that, given a trade deadline, right? Like, so the trade deadline becomes a different thing. Because with all 162 game season win total assessments, you have to consider, well, you know, I think this team's going to be good, but come trade deadline end of July, they're probably going to be sellers. So I really can't go over on this team. Well, what if there's no trade deadline now, right? Like what do they do with that? And so it becomes a completely different anomalous kind of handicapping exercise. And I would just look so forward to that, man, as we sit here all quarantined, who knows if it happens, (laughs) but it's fun to talk about it. And I'm right there with you. And something I just have not realized until now is the fact that if we get a truncated season, we're probably not getting a trade deadline. And if we do, it's going to be so late that it's not even funny that some of the teams that you think would be sellers instead might be buying because they got off to that really early and terrific start. And it's just one of these situations in which I think we could have something a little bit more like college basketball, where sometimes maybe the best team doesn't necessarily rise to the top because when you've got 162 games, it's really, really hard to get lucky for 162 games. If you're a fraud, you're going to be exposed at some point. If you get off to a 15-3 and start, that's probably going to be enough to hold you in the race at minimum until the final month of the year. And I think it would be so interesting to see what baseball does because obviously I know that they were floating out there some things with regards to 
maybe changing around the postseason. I have no idea if any of those would come to fruition or not, but especially if they wind up having a little bit of a different postseason than normal, it would make things so fascinating. And I think it could lead to something in which you're like, wow, I just did not see this coming. And that's why I get back to that initial thing where I asked you, which is like, what if you look back on this, you know, what if you looked back on this 10 years from now? And again, you were like, all right, so there's the Astros won it in 2017, right? And then the Red Sox in 2018, and then the Nationals in 2019. You're like, oh, I remember those teams. Huh, 2020. Huh, Cincinnati Reds. What would happen that year? And it sort of resumes again in 2021, right? Like even an asterisk. You know, it's like, it's almost like, I wonder if like true baseball purists really would wish for something like that. You know, we've had, you know, was it 1981? There was a strike. This was before you were born, Greg, where there was, there was a strike and they put together two seasons in one. It was like this really weird structure where they took like the champions from the first regular season and the second. It's like this weird format. And then in 94, obviously, we didn't even get to finish the season. But there is some history with short seasons in baseball. And we're just talking because it's fun to talk about, but it'll be really fascinating to see what they would come up with. You know, because that's the thing. We're all thinking linearly. Oh, they'll just shorten the season. That's not what they did in 1981. They did this weird formatted thing. So who knows? We could be talking about something that we have no clue, you know, about what's going to happen in terms of format. No, we don't. And I still remember it was that year, the Yankees versus the Dodgers. And I think the Dodgers wound up taking it in six. So that was a very interesting format, to say the least, because it went from like April until June. And then they went from August until like very late October. So that was way back in the day, as we do have Gil Alexander joining me right here on the podcast. Obviously, that'd be fascinating. And that's back in the day when we had a couple more doubleheaders. I just don't think we're going to have as many doubleheaders just in the name of player safety in general. But what I do think that we are going to get is some teams that might be able to rise up to the top as well because I've been taking a look at the season. The one division that fascinates me the most is the NL Central because with the NL Central, it feels like all these teams are equal except for the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Pittsburgh Pirates, they are still paying <laughs> yeah. for their sins from the Chris Archer trade. I mean, it's been a downward arch for that program ever since they wound up making that trade. But with that said, I'm so fascinated by that race. I do think that the White Sox out there in the AL Central are one team that actually has some experience with this because they wind up signing Dallas Keuchel. As we know, he wound up now playing the first couple months of the year. So he could actually give a lot of these young guys a little bit of guidance with regards to how to handle the season. I look at those teams and being so fascinated by how that might result because you just said what happens if the Reds wind up winning the 2020 World Series. This is a Reds team that I actually think has a legitimate chance to be the team that is the top dog out there in the NL Central, given all their additions. Yeah, I mean, their rotation looks great, right? I mean, just start there. You have Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray and Trevor Bauer. And like all of a sudden, you think about the Reds, you're like, wow, that's legit. A division where, you know, the Cardinals are always tough to bet against because of that organization. But, you know, I, I've had some people on the show who are down on the Cardinals. Brewers are always going to be in the mix. Cubbies, their record should have been better last year if you look through Agrian Theorem and base runs. You know, it's going to be a four-team logjam, but I don't think any of those four teams is great. I think it's pretty much the consensus. And a lot of people like the Reds to win the division, and that's an 162-game schedule. So, again, a shortened schedule, 
all the more ability for a team that could help the Reds, according to some, you know, to have a shortened season. Some people think they'd, like I said, they'd win another full season, but I think there's a bunch of people that would say, actually, you know what? That might even give them a better chance if they're not believers. So yeah, there's so many possibilities. That division more than most though has more competitive teams. Like I'm just trying to think maybe the NL East is as top heavy with competitors. The AL West is interesting because you've got the Oakland A's. The Angels are now revamped. They made some signings out there in the offseason, so I think it'll be fascinating to look at them. And heck, even the Texas Rangers, if you can get a healthy Corey Kluber, all of a sudden they've got some pitching. And the Rangers are interesting because it's a new ballpark. We don't know, like in Texas, we we've always thought of it as a as a hitters, you know, environment. Well, okay, we just had Yankee Stadium shift from one side of the street to the other, right? And it played completely differently. So we don't know now in Texas what that environment's going to be like. So I think most people think they'll be improved, maybe even markedly so. And you mentioned Kluber as being the biggest headline of all of them. So, yeah, I mean, you know, besides the Mariners, same thing with the Pirates and the NL Central, people think those teams are going to be competitive. I don't think anybody thinks the Rangers are going to vie for the division. But again, Greg, we get back to the whole premise of this podcast, which is what if it's only a 90-game season? I I don't know. Anything's possible at that point. Exactly. And, heck, we even saw the Texas Rangers be like 500 or so after 90 games last year as well. And we were all sitting there, and I was one of those people saying, like, how in the world are the Texas Rangers now like 20 games back in the division already? And I think we could see a lot of that as well. Is there any other interesting sleeper teams that you're taking a look at? Because I've got my eye on both the central divisions with the White Sox and then just the log jam that we're going to have in the NL Central as well. I brought up the ALS. Anything else that's really peaking your fancy? Well, I mentioned the Blue Jays earlier. And I really like of all the um, of the season win totals I came up with in Point Spread Weekly, that would probably be the one that's most surprising to people. I, I'm very bullish on a team like the Blue Jays. They have a really good young baseball family filled lineup, right? With Biggio and Bichette and Guerrero and Guriel at the top of their lineup, and you throw in guys like Grichik. And Hernandez, Teoscar Hernandez, they're all on the right side of the age curve and they could really have good bats for a long time. The other thing, and I was pointing this out in the piece about the Blue Jays, and this is when we make season win totals assessments from one year to the next. The main thing that I think throws people off, well, there's a a few things, right? Because I think people look at the standings and they're like, oh, they won this many games last year. That's the base from which to work in the following season. And that's not how baseball is. Like you have a record. But then you have what your record should have been based on runs scored and runs prevented. And then you have like, you have to go through the prism of sequencing. Did you get lucky or did you get unlucky? Well, the other thing is, you know, people get wrapped up in the names. So when a star player is added to a team, they get really overwhelmed by that. Oh man, that's going to be a real improvement. The best way to relate this, and I said this on somebody else's podcast the other day is go to the Minnesota Vikings in football. When they got Kirk Cousins, there was a lot of people like, oh my God, Kirk Cousins over Case Keenum, what an improvement. And I would point out, because I have the baseball background, I'd be like, well, what you're really replacing though is Case Keenum's 2017 production. And when you look at it that way, the bar for Kirk Cousins to improve on is hugely high, right? So it's like, okay, maybe you think Kirk Cousins is going to be better than Case Keenum will be over the course of the contract over three years or four years. 
But as far as you improving from 2017 to 2018, don't count on it. Because Case Keenum was spectacular in the 2017 season for the Vikings. And the same holds true for baseball. So in the case of the Blue Jays, cutting back to what I was talking about, the Blue Jays starting pitching was so bad last year, Greg, between Aaron Sanchez and Marcus Stroman and the Clay Buckholzes of the world. I mean, these guys were so bad. The Clayton Richards, like their stats were abominable. So the guys that they're bringing in, like the Wei Yin Chens of the world, the Kendall Gravemans, who would not excite anybody and probably shouldn't, the fact is, is that even if they're average, it is a vast improvement over the Blue Jays team from last year. And so for me, that's how you look at baseball. And so I think a team like that is an under-the-radar sneaky play. And then when you add in the possibility of a shortened season... I would, to answer your question before, like I would bet over on them, I'd max bet them over in a truncated season win total scenario. I would probably bet them in futures. You, everything would be fair game at that point. And that would be a team that I would focus on. I absolutely love it. And especially with the Yankees being banged up, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, the Boston Red Sox, who in the world knows what we're going to get out of them? Mookie Betts gets traded. We heard that. It's going to be Tommy John surgery for our good buddy Chris Sale, who I just love to bet against last year. So I'm actually a little bit <laughs> sad about that. But with that said, I do think that that is going to be very fascinating to see how the Blue Jays come about because I am right there with you. There were some times where this team was just absolutely dynamic on offense last year. So I think that that'll be very interesting to watch. And I'm just interested in general to see what happens in sports these next couple of months. I'm hoping that they come back into our lives. And Gil, I know you are hoping for the same thing, and I'd like to close up with this. Obviously, you're doing great work on VSIN. You're keeping track of a little bit of everything from NFL draft props to the MLB to the possibility of the NBA coming back. Let the good people know where they can find you on social media and just what you're all doing in general because, obviously, it's been a wonky last couple weeks for all of us, but I know you're doing a great job of rolling with the punches. Uh, I'm trying, Greg. I know you are too. At beating the book on Twitter is where I'm super responsive or try to be anyway daily. And then the show is a numbers game on Visa, the Vegas Stats and Information Network, which of course you're a part of Sirius XM channel 204, Visa.com, the Visa app and other outlets too, like Game Plus and Sling and Fubo. The show is 7 to 9 Pacific, Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m., 10 to noon Eastern, Monday through Friday. And yeah, I mean, it's just a very funny time. And I do my podcast too, the Beating the Book podcast, where all podcasts are distributed, including iTunes. So that keeps me busy, although, you know, like all of us in this world right now, who knows what happens the next week, the next month, the next couple months, because there is not a soul that is not impacted by all of this. Oh, absolutely. I'm right there with you. We went from trying to find value on the Dayton Flyers to trying to find toilet paper. So, I mean, that's <laughs> where we are. But a big thanks, Gil Alexander, regardless, for trying to be right here on MLB Overtime Betting. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And if you ever have any questions for the podcast, fire it in at GNRSport.com.